It's time for the second episode of my new podcast, The Charleston Gardener, and I'm excited to be bringing it to you at the height of spring in the lovely city of Charleston, South Carolina. My name is Louisa Pringle Cameron. I'm a native Charlestonian and the author of three books on Charleston gardens and enjoy gardening almost year-round in our favorable climate. I was going to give you a brief history of gardening in Charleston, and I will soon, but first I want to tell you about two of my forays this weekend during the very busy gardening month of April. The Garden Club of Charleston, founded in 1922, is one of the oldest federated garden clubs in America. The organization gives an annual spring tour as its main fundraiser. On Saturday, the group put on an additional moneymaker, a huge plant sale at the stately Joseph Manigo House, which the club lavishly decorates for a Christmas tour and where it maintains the garden. I got an adrenaline rush as I walked through the charming round gatehouse. I was cheerfully greeted by a volunteer who made sure that I was wearing a mask and gave me directions to the table where I could find the shishito peppers I had heard they were selling. I nabbed the very last one with the help of a member and headed for the perennial tables. I must say that the sale was beautifully organized, with everything laid out and labeled on tables along the crushed oyster shell paths in the front garden of the mansion. Large plants like palms and small trees were placed toward the back of the property where shoppers paid, exited, and picked up large purchases. I decided on the spot that I would only buy plants that I had never tried before, such as the shishito pepper. Laminated photographs and short descriptions of the plants and their requirements for sun, soil, and water decorated most of the groupings and made it easy to get tempted. Most plants had individual labels, too. And tempted I was. It was compelling to realize that all of these hundreds of plants in a myriad of pots had come from local gardens and were surely successfully grown in our climate if the gardeners could share their bounty. Charleston is in horticultural zone 9 on the peninsula and near the water, but 8 miles north can be zone 8B, so it can get tricky at times. North Charleston and Somerville may get a light frost while other areas are not affected. The average last frost date for our area is roughly mid-March, and the average first frost date is about the middle of December. But of course, these are only averages, and the weather can be ever so fickle, especially in spring. While chatting with others browsing the tables at the sale, I chose an Irish tassel plant, Emilia javanica, love in a mist, nigella, a purple cone flower, which I hadn't tried before. I have tried cone flowers. This was Echinacea purpurea a status whose color was not specified, three little sesame plants, and a formosa lily, Lilium formosanum, that was not labeled. I enjoyed carrying the unknown specimen around and asking numerous gardeners what it could possibly be. Of course, I got several different answers, but one lady wearing a wonderful hat said that she had some in her garden and that they are prolific spreaders, get about six feet tall, and have fragrant white trumpet blooms. There was a huge thunderstorm headed our way, and I had errands to run, so I left quickly with my treasures, hoping to get them in the ground before the sky opened and could give them a good soaking. We have been abnormally dry lately. 
As I left the last store on my list of errands, I noticed bright purple patches in the weedy grass parking lot dividers in front of my car. On close inspection, there was a profusion of mostly deep purple but some white verbena. It was quite small and hugged the ground. I reached into the pocket of my gardening trousers, pulled out the large pen knife I usually keep there, and dug up a few specimens. I still have not positively identified them. The plants were growing well in spite of the obvious use of a weed eater and may be invasive, so I will isolate them in pots for a while. The rain started as I headed home and I did not get everything planted before a much-needed deluge that dropped well over an inch in our area. On Sunday, another organization held a gardening event. The Charleston Horticultural was having a plant and real, in quotation marks, yard sale. I came home with a few decorative pots, a couple of coleus to replace the ones that got nipped by a bit of cold weather a few weeks ago, and a piece of wall art. I also found a good-sized farfugium, nicknamed the tractor seat plant for its huge leaves that are shaped just like an old-fashioned metal tractor seat. The plant used to be called Lepidoptera for those who might not know its new name. There was some excitement over this plant, and again, I got lucky and picked up the last one. More than one person stopped me to ask where those plants were. They tend to not be bothered by deer, which is a major consideration in several communities around Charleston, where it is illegal to shoot these numerous ravenous and indiscriminate foragers. The Hort Society, as we all call it, has a mission to provide educational programming that fosters gardening excellence, build community connections, and promote the legacy of horticulture in the South Carolina Lowcountry. There's always a good crowd in the auditorium where the organization hosts excellent speakers, and nearly everyone stays for the free plant raffle at the end of the evening. The office, which is in a good location next to excellent shopping and services, has a small but good library, and someone is always available to answer questions. My small local garden club has met there often for a workshop or to hear a speaker. For decades, the Society has been organizing a huge weekend event in late spring called Plantasia, consisting of a giant plant sale, speakers, tours, and entertainment, but the pandemic put the kibosh on that. Instead, there has been a variety of interesting activities throughout the month of April 2021. A fabulous new addition to its website is a YouTube channel featuring a virtual private garden tour with an expert or a member. The plant that is blooming its heart out this week is the beloved and fragrant vine Confederate Jasmine, Trachylosperman jasminoides. Perfuming entire gardens, this evergreen climber needs support for its glossy elliptic green leaves. It can be trained to climb well over 10 feet and trims nicely. In mid-spring, its vanilla custardy fragrance wafts over the historic district, where it is planted along walls, fences, trellises, arbors, over gates, and sometimes around the woody, stumpy bases of palmetto and palm trees. On a recent walk, I enjoyed the sight of what had been the blank southern side of a house covered in a beautifully pruned, diamond-shaped trellis of Confederate jasmine. It has taken several years for it to grow into its full glory, as the vines were planted at the base of the building and carefully trained up supports of wire fastened onto masonry nails. But it was well worth the wait. I'm glad, however, that I'm not the gardener who has to climb a 15-foot ladder to prune the vines. Keeping the garden clean and getting control of weeds is an essential chore now before the weather becomes too hot and humid, which makes the spring plants fade and the weeds thrive. Chickweed keeps popping up, spotted spurge, which was in our garden when we moved here, is spreading like wildfire, and the birds keep distributing clover seeds everywhere. 
I continue to pick up dropped camellia blossoms from a prolific season of magnificent bloom. The noisette roses need daily deadheading, and the foxgloves will put out numerous sod shoots if you clip the main spire. Deadheading them now is essential unless you want to let the entire plant go to seed. I have a few, but only a few foxgloves that are blooming from seed drop two years ago because they're biennials. So, dear listeners, I highly recommend that you attend local organization plant sales so that you can find plants known to grow well in your area. You can also meet knowledgeable gardeners, make new acquaintances, and maybe decide to join a new group. Continue to debride and tidy up, and I'll be back with you next week for the next edition of The Charleston Gardener with Louisa Pringle Cameron. Thank you so much for listening to this new podcast, and please do subscribe on your favorite podcast station. Credit for this podcast goes to my friend and producer, Daniel Patrick, whose own podcast is the wildly popular Mandolins and Beer. 